Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule, after watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there. And it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After com purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials. You can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. Welcome to our class. This is K2's Business Intelligence featuring Microsoft Power BI Tools. My name is Steve Yoss. I'll be your instructor and presenter for today. You should be hearing me. Um, and if you could see me, if you could see the screen, if you couldn't, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and open up that chat box and shoot me a message so that I know that you are connected and that you are good to go. There we go. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Steve. Great name, by the way. Really good name. Uh, Mary, Linda, Scott, Janet, also good name. That's my mom's name. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to have a great day today. I'm really excited and uh, looking forward to presenting this material for you. Um, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, something I always enjoy talking about, which is business intelligence and reporting um, for lots of different reasons, which we're going to go ahead and talk through uh, today. But uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy lives to come on and, and learn something new with us and, and to be able to go through and, and experience uh, some business intelligence. Um, we're going to be looking at a lot of different things today, including uh, Power BI. 
Now, this class uh, has a number of learning objectives uh, that we will be going through. Uh, we're going to be mostly discussing different methods and manners for you to be able to do business intelligence inside your organization. There are so many different ways that you can handle this, whether you be doing it through uh, dashboards, through Power BI, whether you be doing it through different analysis and, and analytics in Excel. Uh, so many different opportunities. And today, uh, we are going to first kind of start with a discussion with respect to what business intelligence is, its value and importance, and why you should be considering this for your organization. Uh, we're then going to go ahead and talk about some different methods and manners that you can do BI inside of Excel. Uh, I'll point out there are some sample files and materials that are available to you uh, that you should have already downloaded and if not, I would go ahead and encourage you to do so, um, that we'll walk through. And we're going to be looking at a lot of different things inside of Excel uh, that you can consider using, which is a great way of getting started with business intelligence inside your organization. And then we'll talk about extending uh, Excel with some specific business intelligence tools that you might want to consider uh, utilizing. Uh, then we're going to go ahead and spend a fair amount of time talking about Power BI. Uh, Power BI, if you're not familiar with it, is Microsoft's business intelligence platform, and it is the gold standard as it relates to BI for so many different reasons. And it, it is an incredible tool. It's a very approachable tool. It's my personal favorite tool for doing business intelligence work for a lot of different reasons. Um, it's a free tool for individual use. So if you go to powerbi.com, you can download a copy of it. And I would encourage you to do so because we're going to need to do it a little bit later on today. And uh, it doesn't require a Microsoft license, doesn't require an Excel license. And it's a great way of getting started. And besides being a free application, it's actually the best. You know, if we look at the magic quadrants from Gardner, which analyzes different applications and determines, you know, kind of where the leaders are in a particular space, Power BI, it's the leader. And on top of that, it's a free solution that you can get started with. And very rarely do those two things come together. But for a lot of different reasons, I'm going to show you why I love Power BI. I'm going to walk you through a lot of uh, topics here from ways of importing in your data, ways of uh, uh, configuring your dashboards. We're going to create a bunch of dashboards together uh, and more. I'm also going to share with you, although I will try not to get too technical with you, uh, some database knowledge. Uh, frankly, um, once you start getting with, started with business intelligence, you're really going to need to know how to use a database effectively. And so today we're also going to talk about some of the database principles that I think are really important for you to be able to operate uh, effectively, including things such as joins and cardinality and uh, you know bringing database tables into Power BI and mapping them and relating them together and kind of what all that means. Well, folks, this is our starting point. We can take this conversation any number of directions. In fact, we probably will. Uh, I got a couple of things I'd really like to ask for you. First and foremost, uh, I would like to ask, does anybody have any specific things they'd like to hear about today or are interested in learning about today? Or do you have any specific frustrations with Excel as it relates to your business reporting or Power BI? Uh, if so, I'd love for you to open up that chat box, shoot me a message, let me know what you're interested in today, and I will do my best to try to accomplish that and at least discuss it uh, in our class. So what do you want to learn about? You know, we're going to be here for eight hours. Uh, let's make the most of your time, make the most of my time. Tell me what you're, what you're interested in, and I'll do my best to try to incorporate that into our presentation. And the second is going to be engagement. Uh, personally, I love questions. My absolute favorite part of teaching. Um, nothing makes me happier, honestly, when I see people asking questions. And I'm more than happy to ask, answer any questions you have as we work throughout today. Um, so if you do have questions, please don't feel like you just have to sit there in silence. Um, open up the chat box. Shoot me a message. Let me know. I'm happy to do a demo again. I'm happy to... Uh, Talk about how this might be uh, applicable to your business, your industry. You know, if you need to see something uh, a second time, you know, a different demo, I'm happy to do so. Uh, throughout the presentation, we're going to be flipping back and forth between PowerPoint. I will do my best to um, I'll do my best to um, uh, zoom in so you can see the details of where I'm clicking and how I'm clicking on things and what boxes I'm on. Uh, but if you have questions, please, I, I'm solely here for you. Whatever you need, let me know. 
All right, so looking at some of the feedback that folks have popped up, thank you again. Mary's excited about learning about Power BI. Absolutely, Mary, we will definitely uh, be talking a fair amount about Power BI as well. Janet's interested in integration with ERP solutions. Good call, Janet. I'm gonna talk about a couple of different ways that you can handle that. And good news, I actually have a brand new learning resource and training um, tool that I actually built myself over the last about month um, that I'm going to debut with you guys and you'll be able to try it out and it's to emulate what it's like working with an ERP system. And so uh, it'll show you the mechanics of what it's like to pull your data down uh, from the cloud. Okay, so where we left off in our last example was we were right about here. We've gone ahead and we've created, and we're gonna do a couple more visualizations here too. So don't worry, we're gonna discuss this a little bit more, but let's start uh, bringing you into the fold with respect to where and how you'd utilize the Power BI service, okay? Um, now, when I talk about the Power BI service, what I talk about is utilizing Power BI, but on a website, you know, and what you could ultimately do here inside of the Power BI tool. Now, this answers the question of how do I get this to my staff and what does it look like for my staff to be able to uh, access this particular data set? It has to be through the Power BI uh uh, web interface, okay? And then once it's in the Power BI web interface, guess what? They can access it directly through their mobile device or any other device if they're choosing, okay? And so what we're gonna wanna do here, once we're happy with our report, okay? What we're gonna ultimately choose here is this option that says publish. And when we click publish, it's gonna ask us, do we wanna make changes, save changes? We're gonna go ahead and select yes. And when we do so, it is going to uh, pop up here and it will ask us where we'd like to save this to the Power BI desktop. And so you could choose to save it in, in multiple different places. In Power BI, you have this thing called workspaces, which is where you're going to contain your work. Um, your wor My workplace is like for me personally, then you could also have, in my case, the name of my business is Devmatics. I could publish this to our company uh, space and this would be how my staff would get access to this particular report. Okay, in our particular case, we're gonna go ahead and select my workplace. We're gonna go ahead and select select and it is publishing it up there. And it only takes a couple of seconds or so to actually get this up there. And once this is actually done, it'll give us a little link that we can then click upon to be able to go and access this data. From experience, it usually takes about two to three minutes before your data that you publish is going to be available for you, for you to be able to see here. So, um, we're going to click this once this is done and we'll go take a look at this exact same report up there and then um, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about here. Okay. So it looks like it's just about finished. There we go. And while I go ahead and click this, why don't we go ahead and have a review question? Alrighty. So we're going to go ahead and click that link here and What's nice, I, I guess they've improved this. Previously, it was kind of like you click the link and you have to wait a few minutes before it would be available, but instantly available up here on the web and we can see we actually have both pages of our report that are listed, okay? Now, if you're on a Mac or you're on a Linux device and you wanna work with Power BI, guess what? You're gonna be doing it inside of the Power BI service. So this is something that maybe you might even have users actually using to author reports as well. When a report is pushed up to the Power BI service, you get a couple of things that are useful for you to know, um, including this little option right here that says edit. And if I click this, it'll bring you in to the Power BI editor on the web interface. I'm gonna point out I am in Chrome and we can go ahead and we can make those edits and modifications in here, okay? Uh, or, you know, if we are happy with this data and we're good to go with this data, we can just leave it as such and it will just be saved, okay? So that's ultimately how we get data up to the Power BI service for us to be able to process and work with. Okay, so that is what that piece looks like. Now I'm gonna do a couple other visualizations for you here uh, just to show you a couple other things that you could choose to do. I'm gonna create a new worksheet here and I wanna show you one that is called a sales card or not a card, not a sales card, but rather just a card. Uh, which I'm going to use for sales information. And it's this little guy right here. What's nice is like with these sales car or cards, you can uh, just display like KPIs, you know, like here you go, here's the information that you want ultimately need to know to do whatever type of job you are doing or whatever insight you need to, to know. And uh, we're going to go ahead and come over here to our fax sales and we're going to go over here and choose our sales amount. 
And instead of putting it as a bar chart, what we're gonna to choose to use is we're gonna to choose to use this card. And it's this little guy right here. And when we click that, we will get just a card, okay? And we can do the same thing. Let's go ahead and grab our, our cost amount. Okay, and we'll go ahead and put this into card view as well. And so we can go ahead and we can see our card. Okay, now let's come over here and let's grab again our geography and let's just go ahead and choose our uh, country name. And we are gonna go ahead and choose this to be a filter. I just wanted to show you how cards and other things inside your report will adjust. Okay, dynamically. Like right now, we can see here that our sales amount and our um, cost amount are both in billions. As we start to pick different things, like Bhutan as an example, notice how they will automatically change from billions, in this case, to uh, millions. Okay, or we can have them move in different ways. If you come over here into your visualization options, okay, this is going to be where you could adjust, for example, what and how um, units are displayed and what and how that might look like, you know? So if we came over here into our properties, sorry, sometimes it's hard to find the exact same. Yes, there we go. Display units. Okay. This is going to be where we could adjust. So if you wanted to either round up or round down, like if I wanted to display something, I usually recommend keeping these in, in auto, but this is going to be where you could adjust whatever you see displayed there. Okay. Now, the next thing I want to talk about with respect to your um, data here is also this level, which is going to be the data view, okay? And from the data view, this is going to be where we can create calculations and modifications with respect to our uh, data, okay? And this is going to be where we ultimately can make um, some adjustments to how things are calculated. This is also going to be where we can create new calculations where calculations previously did not exist. And to do so, we need to understand a little language here called DAX. Okay, so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and talk a little bit about DAX. Okay, so there is a formula language that we use within data models and within Power BI uh, to manipulate columns and to manipulate um, the data presented inside of our tables. Uh, if you remember what I told you, you can't just go straight up change things inside of uh, Power BI. You have to either um, do it through Power Query or you have to be able to modify it using Excel or to use uh, Power BI's formula language, which is called uh, DAX. Okay, DAX stands for Data Analysis Expressions. And what it is, is it's the formula language that we will use to be able to modify and manipulate the data presented inside of Power BI. And so it's this formula that we can use to create calculations, ultimately from data coming from a database, uh, that we can then use to create new values or to modify existing values inside of our uh, data set. Okay, now DAX is very similar. I shouldn't say that. It has some similarities to Excel's formula uh, language, but it is completely different with respect to what it does. Uh, there's approximately 250 DAX functions that are currently available, some of which are going to be shared with Microsoft uh, Excel and some of which are going to be 100% independent of Microsoft Excel. Okay, and <clears throat> so some average things that you would see, normal things that you would see inside of Excel that you would also see inside of DAX would be things like average, count, min, max, mode, sum, things of these natures. And they operate and they have the same arguments exactly as their Excel counterparts. Uh, however, DAX, on the other hand, is going to have some differences. And it's also going to have different formulas that you can do inside of DAX that you cannot do in Excel and vice versa. There are certain things that you're going to find when you reference inside of uh, DAX that there's no basis in, in Excel in terms of how it operates. Uh, and vice versa, there's certain things like VLOOKUP, INDEX AND MATCH, HLOOKUP, uh, XLOOKUP. You can't do those inside of uh, Power BI in its, in its formula language. Uh, you just can't. 
Okay, so DAX um, gives us the ability to be able to do calculations inside of Power BI. And, and unfortunately, it's kind of a necessary thing that if you don't learn it, you're really going to be limited to whatever you have inside of your data set. And if you need to do other modifications and other uh, operations, unless you write the DAX formulas to make that possible, you won't be able to do so. Okay, now there are some a uh, couple of things that we should know. A big one is going to be the formula uh, syntax uh, for the arguments and then also referencing things inside of Excel. Uh, so as an example, inside of Excel, normally we are used to referencing things by where they are located. So cell A1 to cell A57, uh, we want to summarize those things and, and calculate them and get a specific sum. Okay, we refer to this as cellular position. With DAX, on the other hand, one of the big differences is that when we do a calculation, we don't do it for a discrete quantity of cells, but rather we do it for a entire column of cells. And so here we would reference the sales table and the amount column in order to be able to get that sum. And it would calculate that entire thing for us. Okay. So uh, for those of you who are familiar that are used to working, working with uh, uh, tables inside of Excel, this is no different. This should work and feel and operate just like really anything else. What you are going to need to learn, though, is some of the syntax differences and formula differences between these two languages in order to get it to really kind of work effectively uh, for you. Okay. Now, there are some uh, formulas that have pretty good counterparts and kind of have some good similarities between them. Uh, for example, if you're used to putting text into specific format inside of Excel, uh, well, you would use the text function inside of Excel and in Power BI and in Power Pivot, you would use the format option. In Excel, if you wanted to conditionally add things together, you would use the sum ifs. Um, you know, if you wanted to add all the you know red products together or all the sales in in California, you'd use sum ifs, and you would just say for our criteria equals California or red products. In DAX, you would use the calculate function. Okay, um, for choose where you wanted to switch between different items and you know and basically kind of do a little mini lookup, in DAX you would use switch. In Excel, you, if you wanted to look up something, you'd use VLOOKUP, XLOOKUP, HLOOKUP, INDEX and MATCH. Well, in DAX you would use RELATED. Okay, and then there's some stuff like SUMX, uh, there's no equivalent, you know, and vice versa. There's stuff inside of Excel that there's no equivalent that you that between those two languages. Okay, now there are some principles within DAX that we need to follow when we go to create our um, formulas inside of Power BI or inside of Power Pivot. So the first principle is everything has to have a unique name and position, okay? You can't have two tables called the same thing. You can't have uh, two columns in the same table called the same thing. You could have two tables with different names with identical schemas between them. So you could have like sales one and sales two and all the columns are exactly the same, but the two tables cannot be called the same thing. And you could not have two columns inside the same table called the same thing. So you couldn't have two total sales columns. You couldn't have two total quantity columns. You'd have to call them separate things. And ultimately, what this allows us to be able to do is to be able to reference things specifically inside of, inside of Excel with Power uh, Pivot or within Power BI to get exactly what we're looking for here. Okay, so again, all columns within that table have to have a unique name and um, all tables have to have a unique name. Okay, DAX functions cannot modify or insert values in the tables. DAX only can do calculations based off of data that's already present in the table. So I'm gonna do a calculation here in a little bit where we're gonna impute sales tax. We're not creating a brand new column with inserting that information. What I'm doing is I'm creating a new column and I'm creating a column with a formula that's actually referencing data inside the table already, uh, but it's actually not inserting those values. It's actually just storing the formula calculation, and then it executes it when it needs to calculate that specific uh, column data. You cannot create calculated rows using DAX. You only create calculated columns and you only create measures, okay? And the big difference, like I always used to get confused, like what's the difference between a column and a measure? Okay, a column, is going to be uh, a new column physically added to the data set 
versus a measure, which is going to be a moment in time. Uh, a measure calculates across an entire data set where it is going to calculate everything and specifically in the scope of that, uh, of that measure. So like if I wanted to, for example, add a new column for sales tax, that would be a calculated column. It's going to do that calculation at every row in a new column. Okay. A measure though, if I wanted to, for example, impute sales tax across everything, it's going to calculate it across the entire data set. And it's going to give me just a single number that represents that entire value. Okay. And I will say in a lot of ways, this is how we work with databases. Um, DAX acts and feels like a database in a lot of ways. Okay. So something definitely to consider. Now, a couple things that you should know with respect to principles when you're referencing things inside of DAX. Okay, as I mentioned, uh, we reference things by the name of the table and the name of the column. Okay, a couple best practices to consider here. Try to keep everything single word. Um, if you have, for example, a table name like USA sales or Canada sales and there's a space in between, well, you're going to have to wrap all your functions with single quotes. Uh, not fun. Okay, so I would tell you whenever possible, keep things singular. My personal preference is what we call camel casing, where uh, you capitalize the first letter of every word and then you mash it all together. So in this case, it would be Canada sales exactly the way you see fit, but as one word with no spaces. Okay, so we have the name of the table. We have the name of the column inside of that table. And then when we want to reference something inside of this, it's the name of the table, square bracket, and then the name of the column that we're working with. This is the same syntax if you're working with Excel tables and you're doing formulas, referencing the Excel table columns, uh, or if we are referencing uh, things inside of Power BI or Power Pivot. This formula language is what you should really be kind of working towards. It's going to save you a lot of time and effort overall. But we name the table, square bracket, name of that column. Okay, so fully qualified measure name would be, again, the name of the table and then the name of that column. Uh, if you're inside of the table itself that you're working with, like when we go to impute sales tax here in a minute, we don't have to reference the name of the table, although that's a good practice to be in. It doesn't hurt. Uh, you could just reference if you're inside the table you're doing the calculation with, you can just reference the name of that column here. Okay, and if you happen to have with spaces, you got to use those quotes. But as we talked about, uh, use Power Query, import those tables in. If they have a bunch of spaces in them, first step inside of that Power Query operation, uh, remove those spaces and retitle those things. It'll save you a lot of time overall. Okay, other principles with DAX. Every formula begins with an equal sign, period. Okay, uh, when we go to write a formula inside of this, we're going to name the column or the measure space equal space and then write whatever we want it to be, but it will begin with an equal sign. Uh, you can either type a function name or you can use an expression. Um, I will tell you that it will try to guess what you're talking about here and will attempt to autocomplete whatever expression that you are working with. And I personally love that. Uh, I personally think that that is a great method and one of the best ways that you could potentially uh, do. You're going to begin to type the first few letters that you want. That autocomplete will display a relevant list of functions. It'll show you whatever tables, columns are in there. Tab is your friend. You hit tab, it'll autocomplete with whatever you want and complete the formula. You could also click the FX button to display a list of available functions based off of what you're doing. Okay, you can select a function from the list or my preference, use the keyboard, tap down or arrow down to what you want and then hit tab and it'll autocomplete it. Okay. You supply whatever arguments are required for that particular formula, and it will type that out for you. Check it for syntax errors. Make sure everything is uh, complete. Okay. Anytime you're referencing things with a DAX for the location of the data, not the formula, but the location of the data, it'll be the table name, bracket, column name, close bracket, and then the rest of the formula is the same like it is in Excel where you're going to use parentheses to separate different operations of your formula and you hit enter to accept that particular formula here. Okay, generally DAX functions and Excel functions are not back and forth. If it's a DAX function, it works in DAX, vice versa for Excel. Okay, DAX functions always use, in, use columns and tables for those references. Okay, DAX date and time functions return date and time. Okay, Excel, on the other hand, returns back an integer. Have you ever noticed inside of Excel when you do some sort of date calculation, sometimes you'll get a number like, you know, 19,036. Anybody ever noticed that before? Okay, why is that? Well, 
because Excel uses what's called the 1900 numbering system. It counts the number of days from January 1st, 1900 to today. And so if it's, you know, an integer that's returning back, um, that's the number of days between whatever the date you're working with in January 1st, 1900. Uh, versus DAX, it's going to return back month, date, year. It's going to return back the actual uh, date and time of that. And that's very similar to how databases operate. Okay. Some DAX functions return a table of values or make calculations across a whole table, meaning they're array functions. They can work across a large quantity of information. It's important to know that, um, although it won't be really relevant for what we're working with today. DAC has lookup functions very similar to Excel, but it requires that a relationship be mapped prior to the using of that function. Uh, what that means is, is if I wanted to use a lookup inside of DAX, I wouldn't use VLOOKUP, index lookup. I'd use the related function, and I would relate that specific column to whatever column of whatever data I'd like to get back, and uh, it will return that data and put that data into that specific uh um, table for me to work with. However, if there's not a relationship previously built between those two tables, you can't use that related function. It has to have that relationship there to, in order to be able to return that value back to your raw underlying data. All data in a column has to have, be of the same data type. Okay. You know, in Excel, you could design any workbook any way you want. You could have half your workbook, uh, you know, column A have first name and half of it have, you know, last name if you really wanted to. Um, you could store the same value in, in the cell or you could have a cell storing two values simultaneously. I've seen this happen so many times. You know, you have a column for phone number and the person will put in the home phone, comma, uh, mobile phone, you know. DAX doesn't expect that. DAX wants everything to be of the same type. And so if it's a name for a column for name, it only holds name. If it's a column for address, it only holds address. And pulling back the lens a little bit further, it's mostly of type, meaning you wouldn't really want to create a DAX table uh, where you had a column that was sometimes an integer, sometimes alpha, sometimes a date. Uh, it's best, always best that columns are single purpose. In fact, in computer science, we have this term called SRP, the single responsibility principle that says nothing should be responsible for more thing at a, more than one thing at a time. And uh, that's really important because when we start to write calculations and formulas, it's going to expect if you're doing a math formula that it's only going to come into math values. And if not, it's going to throw an error. Now, some good old commonly used formulas that you can continue to use in DAX the same way that you've always used average count min max product and sum uh, and then we've got again some different ones here um, with respect to other formulas that are very similar to their excel counterparts but a little bit different okay now let's talk a little bit about here about calculated columns and also with uh calculated measures, right? So we're going to go ahead and create calculate com here in a minute. We're going to use the round function. Okay. Once we have this column, we can use the data. It's exactly the same way that we've always used data. It'll work and feel and act just like everything else inside that data. And what we're going to end up doing here is it's going to go to our data view. And then we're going to go ahead and choose the option here that says new column. And then what we're ultimately going to end up doing is writing a formula that will round a specific value uh, for us. Okay, so let's go ahead and take a look at how that might function. Okay, so we're here inside of Power BI and we are specifically gonna come on over here to our sales table. And what we're gonna end up doing here is we're just gonna come over here to the right side and I'm gonna create a new uh, column for us. And what we're ultimately going to end up doing here is that we're going to round, let's just pick a field over here. Let's go ahead and round our total cost. Okay. So what we're going to do here is we're going to create this new calculated column. Uh, we can either come over here under our table tools and select uh, new column. We could also right click on our fact sales and select new column. However you choose to do it works ultimately the same way here. Okay. And once we've right-clicked and selected our new column, what we can do here is that we can go ahead and we can create uh, a new column that will do this calculation for us. And it's physically going to append our data set on the right-hand side here with this new data present. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and call this uh, rounded total cost as our example. 
Okay, I'm gonna point out, I'm making my life easy. I am uh, making all of these one word. That is camel case with an uppercase and lowercase, and then uh, you use lowercase for everything until you get to the next word, then you uppercase that. This particular language makes it really simple. Here's our equal sign. And then what we're gonna end up doing is we're gonna use an open bracket. And that open bracket indicates that we are working with that table data, okay? Now, I could reference the name of this table if I wanted to, but since I'm in the actual table itself, I don't have to, but if I wanted to, I could. So in this case, if I start to type out fact sales, as you'll see listed here, it starts to filter down to whatever I'm looking for. And we can see here for that fact sales, uh, it starts to show me that that's the thing I want. And then we'll see a square bracket uh, representing each of those columns. Okay, so we'll say fact sales, I can tab down. It'll autocomplete. We'll do an open bracket here. And we're going to go grab our total cost like this, like this. Okay. And that is how we would reference. That is how we would reference a specific column. Now I'm going to hit enter here. It's literally just going to replicate that column and move it over here. Okay. So it's exactly the same between us. And so, you know, if you're ref if you're familiar with doing relative references inside of Excel, this works exactly the same way. Now, what we would do in front of this to round this, though, we would start to add formulas and just it would work exactly the same way that we would do this inside of Excel. And so we would type out round as an example here, and it's going to give us a little hinter of what arguments it's expecting. So in this particular case, it's asking for a number. OK, in this case, we're passing in from the fact sales uh, table, the total cost column. We're going to put a comma there and then we're going to tell it how many decimal points that we want to to go to if i want to round it down i'm going to go ahead and do zero here okay and in hitting so we hit enter and it's going to round that down to zero and in fact we see that listed exactly right here okay now for all intents and purposes this rounded total cost looks feels acts operates in all every possible way, just like any other data piece inside of my data set. There's nothing else that I really kind of need to do here. It will go ahead and create that calculation for me. And you'll notice that it is appended as a column to my actual data set. So if we wanted to do formula calculations and languages and stuff of that nature, well, guess what? This is exactly how we would go ahead and do so um, and create that calculation. Let's do another one here. Let's go ahead and create a new calculated column. And let's impute sales tax based off of our sales amount. So we're going to come over here. We're going to say sales tax collected equals. And we're going to use a, uh, in, um, oh God, what would you call it? You would use a uh, um, non-fully qualified, just a, like an implied table name, because we're just going to use, we're inside of that table itself. And so in this particular way, uh, I can just use an open bracket. I can go ahead and select sales amount like this. And let's just basically say 0.085 as our sales tax amount, creating that new column and adding that data here. There you go. And so that is a way that we can create calculations inside of Power BI uh, when that data or whatever type of operation we're, we're doing is not present. Now this formula language, exactly the same inside of Power Pivot. So if you're looking to do this type of analytic work inside of Excel for big pivot tables, when you load up Power Pivot, it works the exact same way. Okay, now we also have this other option here where we can create measures, okay? Uh, measures are, again, kind of like moments in time. They do a calculation. They're a good way of like storing data. Um, maybe we want to use as variables. They're good at storing data that we want to maybe do math across an entire data set. Um, and they allow us to be able to do um, calculations that also across different tables is needed as well. So let's just say, for example, I wanted to sum up all the sales amount. Well, I could, for example, and you'll notice here, there's 2.2 million rows here. And unlike Excel, if we come down here to the bottom, there's no total sales um, option, average, count, or anything like that. But imagine I just wanted to count all of these or sum all of these up and just get like the number of what it is rather than see every individual line. That's when we would ultimately use a measure, okay? And so for a measure, similarly, we can come over here to our table tools. We can go ahead and choose uh, a new measure. We can also right-click on total sales here and we can go ahead and select new measure here, okay? And so for this, it works exactly the same way. So if I wanted to get a sum of the entirety of the sales amount column, we would do something like this, total 
sales equals, and then we'd have to write the formula that we would want to do. In this case, we would do the sum formula. We would say the fact sales table, and we would choose the sales amount like this. Okay. And that measure, anytime that runs, is going to go to the fact sales table, the sales amount column, and sum that exact thing in that moment of time. Now, why use a column or a measure? Well, columns are really useful when you want to see things on every single row. Like, I want to see this as it relates, and I want to be able to analyze this specific thing. Okay, measures, on the other hand, they do calculations across large quantities of data. These are really useful when you just need that snapshot. They're also faster, too, because they don't have to do as much rendering of the actual data. We go ahead and we hit OK here, and this will run that calculation, creating that measure for us. And then we can use that measure inside of our report just like we would anything else. And if we come down here, you'll see in our... Um, field search here that that the let me expand that here a little bit there we go okay if we come down here we will see that that oops hold on let's try that one more time okay okay we will see here that that total sales is in fact a measure and if we drag that over here into our report and we go ahead and we turn this into a card Okay, we get that total sales amount, okay? And because it literally is just running that entire calculation on there. So moment in time, I just want to see the number. You use a measure. If you want to see it in conjunction with your actual data, column by column, row by row, use that calculated column, okay? There is no calculated row, okay? It's only a calculated column and a calculated uh, measure. All right, let me show you another thing that you can use calculated measures for as well. Let's say, for example, you wanted to be able to um, store targets. Okay. And, um, you wanted to be able to, for example, maybe use a gauge to understand like where you are in your sales process. And you want to maybe get a sense of like, are we above below, but I want to ultimately set like targets for my business. Well, measures can be really useful for that because they can store values as a variable. So we're going to do something similar. We're going to come over here to our fact sales and we're going to go ahead and select new measure. And I'm gonna create a measure here and I ultimately wanna use this as part of a gauge so I can gauge my sales revenue against a target sales revenue and against a max sales revenue as well. Okay, so for my measure here, I'm gonna go ahead and just assign a couple of static values. So we're gonna say this target sales revenue equals and let's just go ahead and say it is 1.65 billion so that's where i'm hoping we end up here okay i'm going to go ahead and hit enter now i'm going to use this measure that i've created here as part of my visualization for my for my um, gauge chart here in a second i'm going to go ahead and right click i'm going to go ahead and select new measure we're going to do another one and this is going to be the theoretical upper limit of like what our max should be and then what we're going to do is we're going to look at total sales and then we're going to see where total sales fits in with respect to our gauge and so our we're going to go ahead and do max sales revenue equals and let's just say this is two billion dollars all right there we go now we're going to create another chart on here and we're going to go ahead and pull down for our particular chart here we're going to go ahead and pull in our sales amount okay <clears throat> for our sales amount, we've got that listed. Okay, and then we're also gonna go ahead and change this from a sales amount. We're gonna go ahead and change this instead over here to a gauge, okay? But, you know, it's gonna guess what the theoretical upper or lower is. It's not really gonna be really helpful for what I want. What I really wanna do is I wanna add a maximum and I wanna add a target. And these are where those maximum targets, uh, those measures that we created would be really helpful. So we're going to go ahead and choose our max sales revenue. That's a measure. It's basically just a variable. We're going to drag that over here to our max value. And then we're going to go ahead and grab our target sales revenue. We're going to go ahead and put that to our target value. See how it adds that little line. Now, the last bit that we need to do here, because obviously this is for multiple years, uh, we're going to go ahead and add a filter. And for that particular filter, we're going to use it just for fiscal period. 
And so we're going to come over here to our date tab, expand this, and then we're going to go ahead and choose fiscal year as our as our um, filter. And we're going to go ahead and turn that into a slicer. Okay. And then now let's maybe filter down to, let's see, I'm not sure where we have data. Okay. <laughs> I think I needed to, let me go ahead and grab one more. It's still a little too big. Let's grab what we see. We've got a fiscal year. Let's go grab our fiscal quarter label as an example. Okay. And let's grab 2017 data. And uh, let's just unselect a couple of these just so you can see it. Okay, so the intention of this mostly is just to show you here how you could create a measure that would, in this particular case, that you would use inside of your calculation for storing variables. So in this case, I wanted to set my upper limit to 2 billion, okay? But I didn't have anywhere that data lived. Well, this is where I could create a measure and store that. Now, at any point, I can come back and I can redefine that. So, you know, let's just say our target changes and we want to go up or down. Well, all we have to do is then update our fact sales table. And we could, for example, change our max sales revenue. And this is where we can go ahead and modify uh, this particular measure and, and give it give it something different if we'd like to. Okay. Uh, but this is where I use measures a lot is like when I want to store a variable for like a calculation purpose like this or, or, or something else. Okay. A couple more and then uh, we're going to go ahead and move on a little bit. Now, there's a couple of AI-driven uh, visualizations that are useful for you to know as well. And those are going to be over here under the Insert tab. And these are relatively new in terms of what they've been added. There's uh, Q&A, there's Key Influencers, Decomposition Tree, and Smart Narrative. And these are pretty nifty for with respect to what they do. And what these attempt to do is they use Azure's, Microsoft's cloud technology, to be able to analyze your data and then spit out, basically, you know, why certain things are the way they are. They attempt to analyze your data and provide insight to you, okay? So we can get started with these pretty easily. We'll come over here to our fact sales table. And for our fact sales table, let's go ahead and grab our sales amount. Okay, and let's come over here and let's grab our, and I'm gonna grab our fiscal year label. I'm going to put this as its own thing because I want to be able to drill down by year. Okay, so we're going to leave that here. And uh, from here, let's say I want to analyze my sales, but then I want to analyze them in the context of the uh, of something. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and make this a little bit bigger. And what I want to do here is I want to use I want to use what's called the decomposition tree. Oh, can I not change this? Yes. Okay. I can't change this. Cool. All right. Now what the decomposition tree attempts to do is it attempts to analyze your data based off of um, how like things come together. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and choose here just for fiscal year 2017. And what we're going to choose here is that we want to explain this data. Okay. All right, so we're going to analyze our sales amount, and then we're going to ask it to explain it by different things. And then we're going to stack the different things that we'd like to see explained by. And I'm going to make this a little bit bigger just so that we can see this, right? So we've got $2 billion in sales, and I really wanted to explain first uh, by entity and so or by channel. So I'm going to grab my channel, and I'm going to drag this in here. And then what this starts to do is it starts to... Come on, why are you not doing this? <laughs> All right, hold on. Oh, there we go. Okay, it just took a second. Uh, I think, yeah, duh, it's got to analyze the data. Okay, and we got a lot listed. Let me go ahead and put that back. All right, we're going to move our, our channel name over here. And what this starts to do is it starts to break apart. In this particular case, at $2 billion in sales, we want to analyze this and understand it. So we're going to tell it to first analyze then by, by channel. And what we're going to start to see is it starts to break apart um, in the context of this, and it will start to 
represent. So we could see here out of the $2.6 billion in sales that we had, uh, we could see that 1.4 billion occurred in stores and we could see a breakdown of these different areas. Okay, we could start to grab, for example, maybe our, okay, let's maybe grab our entity and we're gonna go ahead and pull our entity name here and put this under our channel, okay? We could then continue to go through here and kind of, kind of drag through here and kind of see how the story and how things kind of funnel up. Uh, let's actually grab and instead maybe I think geography might be a little bit better in a uh, way of understanding this. So let's grab our geography and let's go from geography and let's go ahead and do our continent name. So we're going to go ahead and put that here. Then for continent, let's go ahead and put our country. For country, we're going to go ahead and put our state. Okay. So what we're going to do is click this little plus icon and then we're going to say explain our sales by continent. And so here's our breakdown from here. And then from our continent, we're going to go ahead and tell it to break down by country name. Okay. And from here, we're going to tell it to break it down by state and province as we kind of go. But we can expand these as we want to, to kind of see the visual breakdown of how these sales uh, attribute to each other. Okay. I may call this again, the decomposition tree. Uh, and so it kind of like can kind of read those things for you. Let's move this over here just a little bit. And let's go ahead and North America here. Okay, and we can see here it's broken down even further. Let me show you another one that's kind of cool here. This one is called the smart narrative. Okay, the smart narrative will literally like write a little story on why things are the way they are. Okay. And we're going to go ahead and create another blank visualization. And for this particular one, we're going to go ahead and choose our fact sales. And we're going to go ahead and choose our sales amount. And let's go grab our promotion. And we'll grab our promotion name. And here we go. Okay. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code one free podcast at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.